0: One to 3 p.m lifetime live with chrysalda dudumashe lifetime live with
1: chrysalda dudumashe good afternoon and thank you for joining us uh, this is lifetime live with me chrysalda dudumashe and uh, um gosh a conversations packaged with so much love but i have to say that driving to work today was a bit scary. Um, that you can just be driving on on a, um, a freeway and it, it just a bomb goes off like. We need we need better protection, and I hope uh, that uh, authorities and powers that be uh, are doing something about uh, all these cash in transits that uh, we've been experiencing lately. Uh, what a frightening time we live in! But right now, I'm um, just more on a positive note. We know that uh, it is Ramadan, uh, that time of the year uh, we uh, Muslims uh, throughout the world just connect to uh, their faith and religion, and um, and and it's believed to be about encouraging and promoting acts of goodwill, acts of a kindness. And we are going to be joined by Yusuf Ismail uh, from the Islamic uh, Propagation Centre International to tell us more about what Ramadan means. And uh, we'll also be joined by Zakia Ibrahim uh, to just tell us about uh, some of the acts of kindness uh, that uh, are going to be happening throughout the country and what you can do to perhaps uh, join in. Um, because, you know, when you... Um, read about the values and uh, connect to the principles. Uh, it's something that all of us can live by, whether you believe um, in, in Ramadan or not. Um, but it's just simply an act of goodwill. And we have our usual words of wisdom. Uh, Billy Silegani will be joining us and uh, uh, one that I'm looking forward to. How do we mend that uh, mother-child relationship that has broken, completely broken? We've just come from uh, Mother's Day and uh, some felt left out completely simply because, um, you know, there's no relation at all with their children. Here's some algebra, um with uh, random acts of love because that's all we need, all of us. Uh, yeah, all of us just need uh, just a little bit of uh, act of love, and that's uh, Aljero. And thank you so much uh, for joining us. We invite you to just uh, join in the conversations. Uh, our WhatsApp uh, uh, note um, number is 0614-104-107 and uh, you can also join us via SMS at four zero nine three eight. SMS is charged at one hundred fifty, and uh, we are also on social media, uh, both on Twitter and Facebook at SAFM Radio. And you can hashtag us, SAFM Lifetime Live, as we do life live. And uh, right now, we're just connecting to getting to understand. um, I mean, in our mess, we live in a secular state in South Africa. And uh, that provides or enables us um, to to just respect each other's uh, belief systems. And uh, sometimes with a bit of understanding, you're able to connect better to why people do the things they do. And uh, right now, as we connect to the annual fasting uh, by Muslims, Uh, throughout the world and uh, connecting with uh, the ones we live with in South Africa. Uh, Yusuf Ismail, a spokesperson of the Islamic uh, uh, Propagation uh, Center International, is joining us uh, to help us understand what Ramadan is about. And I love the fact that he's a lecturer as well, and therefore he'll be kind in teaching. Uh, Good afternoon and welcome, Yusuf. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: Good afternoon and good to be on your program.
1: And we're also joined by Zakia Ibrahim, who's a media officer at Muslim Hands. Good afternoon, um, Zakia, and welcome.
2: Hi, Chris and hello to all the listeners of SAFM. Thanks for having us on here.
1: Maybe if we can just start with the basics, um, Youssef, and just uh, find out, uh, how would you uh, simplify the understanding of the values uh, values and principles uh, behind Ramadan?
0: basically um, the primary significance of Ramadan in fact comes or is derive from the root signification of the term psalm which simply means to abstain in the absolute sense uh, and so in the technical language of Islamic law fasting or psalm um, simply means the abstaining from food and drink and of course intimacy from one, with one's spouse from dawn till dusk. Now the institution of fasting um, in Islam in fact came after the institution of prayer and it was uh, particularly in the medina state after years and decades of persecution of the muslims when the prophet muhammad migrated that fasting in fact became obligatory um, and the month of ramadan was in fact set aside for this particular purpose Um, if if you look at the quranic text um, the subject of fasting itself is only dealt with in one place um, and that's in chapter 2 verse 183 which says "O you believe Um, fasting is prescribed on you as it was prescribed on those before you Mm -hmm. so that you may guard against evil or establish God-consciousness. So, from this particular perspective, you see that from the Quranic point of view, fasting is deemed and viewed as a universal institution, Uh um, and the reference in the Quranic text is borne out by the fact that in religious history the practice of fasting has been well recognized um, though the same stress is not laid in terms of the the, the, the forms and the modes, and the modes may of course vary, but this has been in existence from time and and from the Quranic point of view, we would simply say it's a continuation of that pattern of revealed faith, where prophets of God and sages were given guidance to humanity, and one of it was obviously the institution of fasting. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, the primary aim um, is obviously to inculcate a degree of spiritual discipline. Um, there's obviously a, a moral discipline and a social value of fasting. The argument is that by fasting, you ex- establish God consciousness. If, if you You can basically believe that... um in, in absolute quiet and in absolute isolation um, you can abstain from food and drink with the full knowledge that God is obviously aware of your actions if you were to partake in any form of food then what stops you from in other circumstances um, abstaining from evil, abstaining mm-hmm. from antisocial behavior, abstaining from a behavior which obviously impacts your fellow man if you can inculcate this value of God consciousness another point obviously is that um, you know rich and poor um, whether you're a king, whether you're a pauper, residents of the same vicinity, uh, five times a day you are brought daily in the mosque. But for the commencements of the month of Ramadan, there's a kind of a mass movement towards equality, mm-hmm. which is not in fact limited to one specific vicinity or even one country, but in fact affects the world globally. 1.5 billion people around the world, whether you are rich, whether you are poor, um, for an entire duration, you basically abstain from food. And so if you look at society in general, there does in fact exist a social barrier between two classes. You have a social barrier between rich and between poor. And when you engage in fasting, this barrier is removed when in fact the rich people are made to feel the pangs of hunger that those who are poorer um, basically go through on a daily basis. And so this is kind of universal equality Mm -hmm. um, where you break down these kind of artificial social constructs um, that basically exist. So in a broad sense, it's to inculcate a spiritual discipline, inculcate uh, a moral discipline, um, uh, understand the social values, and of course, uh, guard yourself against evil and engage in a practice um, whereby uh, you can create this kind of universality um, in humanity.
1: So you do confirm that um, this is not an easy process um, because you're talking about connecting uh, to the pain of hunger as as the poor would uh, so that you have the correct empathy. Uh, How do how do um, Muslims then strengthen uh, the edge to want to break the rule?
0: Well, it, it, it's in a sense of inculcating this element of discipline within you. I mean, certainly sometimes the hunger pangs are obviously going to affect you. And depending, of course, on the climate that you're residing in, South Africa is fairly average. But in certain climates where the days are excessively longer, mm. the hardship is obviously um, far more. Uh, but I think it's, 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 it, it, that, that's the whole purpose. That's the whole test that you establish this quality and characteristic of God-consciousness. And by acknowledging the fact that God is all-present and He's aware of your movements and He's aware of your actions, then in itself creates um, an innate um, upstanding principle within oneself whereby you will just simply not go and willy-nilly break your fast when um, you know somebody's not looking or eat in secret or so mm, on and i think mm. it can be done it, it's 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 been done for more than a millennium for 1400 years um, and i think it's it's the level of spirituality it's meant to increase your spirituality um, and refraining from food during stated intervals you know, absolutely does no physical harm whatsoever. In fact, um, medically speaking, um, it does a lot of good. And um, nutritionists and, of course, um, uh, people in the medical field can obviously confirm and vindicate that particular aspect.
1: And I'm sure you've heard um, some of the questions that from what you know, you would regard as, as not so smart. Um, Zakir. I'm going to ask you this question that, uh, you know, Islam and, and uh, the period of Ramadan where uh, the congregants are encouraged to just dress appropriately um, and cover up uh, that there would be the notion that it, it's such a uh, a a a a dictative um, uh, religion and uh, it's it's unfriendly towards women and your response to that is
2: oh, no, not at all I think that is a very common misconception and um, that's perpetuated by the media and social media but Islam is really the complete opposite um, you know, if you if you look at um, the Quran and the, the ways of the Prophet peace be upon him, it really Islam elevates the status of women. Mm-hmm. So um, during Ramadan, it's really a re, sort of a rejuvenation period where you're just soaking in all this knowledge and the spirituality. So you can go and be prosperous in the year to come. So um, yeah, it's it's really a month for thirty days. Your heart is in charge. Your body's submitting because your consciousness of God is constantly alive.
1: Mm-hmm. So. Um, mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah, there's absolutely no, t- in terms of inequality or um, modest dressing, yeah, there's, it doesn't um, sort of put women in a bad light at all.
1: And Yusuf, uh, I mean, Ramadan is, is one of the pillars of, of Islam. Can you just kindly elaborate on uh, what the other pillars are?
0: Well, there are five basic yeah, pillars sure. of Islam. Oh, okay. um, the first pillar is obviously the declaration of faith. Um, the Shahada, where you basically declare that there is none worthy of worship except one God, a monotheistic God, uh, in the absolute sense, Mm -hmm. and that the Prophet Muhammad is the last and the final of messengers. Now, in acknowledging that, we obviously acknowledge that Jesus, Abraham, Moses, David, Solomon, Noah, these were all prophets. Um, They were recipients of revelation, and they were sent with guidance to humanity, to guide mankind uh, perpetually with regards to the message that they received, and that the Prophet Muhammad is simply the first final messenger in the last, in the long stream of prophethood uh, that has basically commenced from the beginning of time. Um, The the second, obviously, the second, with that acknowledgement, the second aspect, obviously, is the fact that um, you need to have some sort of concomitant responsibility in making this declaration, and that is basically exemplified by your five daily worship, your worship, where basically for five times a day, So every day of the week, 365 days of the year, 1.5 billion people gather together at the most critical juncture, that's early in the morning, uh, during the afternoon, in the late afternoon when you're at your most busiest, during twilight, and of course a late night prayer, where you basically gather and five times a day recite passages and verses of the Quran and engage in what we would call Salah, which is conventionally understood as prayer. Um, The third would obviously be the fasting in the month of Ramadan as one of the uh, uh, the third pillar, the fourth would obviously be the um, poor tax, the so-called zakat, or the um, the charity that one needs to basically engage. Charity, to a man in its wider sense, is laid down in the Quran, um, and uh, traditionally, um, from the perspective of Islamic law, approximately about 2.5 percent. This is a calculation that could vary, but 2.5 percent of one's income is utilised in basically spending on the poor and spending on those um, uh, less in need. And, of course, the fifth pillar is, if one can, of course, afford it, um, the greater pilgrimage to Mecca where in the worship of one, of one god whether you're rich whether you're poor whether you're black whether you're white regardless of your color or creed mm. you're all gathered in the sight of god uh, worshiping him and in that sense basically exemplifying equality uh, an egalitarian system and of course praying to the one and only god that in fact exists so these are the five essential pillars Mm. Uh, which basically are the bulwark or the foundation of the islamic worldview um, and we would argue that in in many respects you would find uh, the this basically akin to what previous prophets of god for example preached jesus himself in the garden of gethsemane when he goes a little further we told that he falls on his face and he prays to god and said oh my father if it be possible let let this cup pass away from him nevertheless not as I will but as you will in other words Mm. he was submitting his will to the will of God now one word for that in in the Arabic language is Islam because Islam simply means the ability of surrendering your will to the will of God and thereby living in a state of peace with
1: fellow men, and and Zakia, are there any health risks um, to be known uh, for people who are observing uh, Ramadan? And and if so, uh, how do we prevent uh, people from uh, even not taking their medication, chronic medication, during this period? Are they even allowed?
2: So, um, when it comes to fasting, if someone, if fasting is actually going to put that person at risk um, in terms of health then that person's actually not um, obligated to fast. Mm. So it doesn't make it difficult for anyone at all. So if, for example, um, you have to take your medication during the day, maybe three times a day, and fasting is going to prevent you from doing this, then you don't have to fast. It doesn't make it difficult for anyone.
1: And then there's also, I mean, one misconception that uh, what's the point of saying you are fasting when um, early morning people just, um, you know, eat so much food and, and just before uh, uh, the sunset, there's just so much food being consumed. Uh, is there a measure uh, that when you're fasting, this is how much you can take?
0: And it, it defeats it defeats the whole purpose if you are to gorge in the morning. Yeah. Um, and gorge That's the in way that I was fact, looking Islam for. Islam stresses and places a great degree of emphasis on moderation. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there is a traditional hadith um, attributed to the Prophet Muhammad where he says that when you consume food, and this was their way of measure, at least about one third, you know, in a sense of approximately of the stomach mm-hmm. should not be full. So in other words, you're not supposed to, <laughs> not just during the month of Ramadan, but in ordinary circumstance, you're not supposed to gorge yourself or eat excessively to the extent that you are basically in a lethargic Mm. uh, position and that's totally unacceptable. But on another point, I mean, and this is just something that maybe people could possibly try if you fast for a prolonged period of time, then automatically your stomach would shrink. So anyone who basically eats in excess would automatically get sick and I think um, psychologically and physiologically, um, the more you fast, and this is just basically by pattern which I've experienced and many would obviously tell you the same, that mm. when you fast for a long period of time, it's a shock to the system to eat a great degree of food. And so generally speaking, even though you may have systems whereby lavish dishes are spread, which is totally unacceptable, um, in those circumstances you find inevitably that people do not, or cannot rather, uh, eat in excess of Fashion, but if people do that, then it's totally unacceptable, and it goes against the. It's a self-defeating exercise because it goes against the actual um, principles uh, and the paradigm <coughs> which fasting in the month of Ramadan is made to lay down. In other words, you tighten yourself physically um, mm-hmm. and also spiritually, and you eg- engage in abstention throughout the month. Yeah. Um, and obviously, a certain degree of reprieve is given to you um, from dawn, that's just before you commence your fast, and of course, at dusk, where you break your fast. And anything that goes uh, beyond that um, is obviously viewed as excess um, and is unacceptable from the Islamic worldview.
1: I'm going to ask Zakia like, to tell us uh, about the activations. Uh, but Yusuf, when you swallowed saliva, you got me thinking, what are you allowed to consume? Can you drink water?
0: No, you, you're not allowed to drink water. You're not allowed to eat food. Um, you're obviously not allowed to smoke. Smoking is viewed as undesirable in any way in Islam. You're not allowed to consume anything. Now, w- when you speak, obviously I'm speaking to you now. I'm sorry, yeah. saliva um, it, it, Islam doesn't just place this kind of so-called uh, um, uh, silly technical restrictions. Mm. Um, but the fact is you do not engage in activity where you, for example, unnecessarily wish to break your fast. So if you want to know Deliberately go and uh, rake up saliva in your mouth just simply <laughs> for purposes of quenching your thirst. Yeah. But obviously, it's something that is not allowed. But generally speaking, the whole process of swallowing saliva. Um, in the duration of your uh, communication with someone that 's obviously going to happen, so yeah. it 's just simply the in terms of food and consumption mm-hmm. um, it 's the abstention of food in its total sense, and of course abstention of water so it 's mm-hmm. water and food, um, anything that normally would by necessity give you a degree of nutrition, you abstain for that for a particular time period um, and then of course, after that time period ends, you're allowed to obviously consume and break your fast, and then of course wait till the next day when that basically happened and as i think uh -hmm. uh, my co um guest mentioned um the, the, the Quran places a specific exemption on the sick on those who are even on a long journey you know in, in the past people would travel on long journeys and so mm. the Quran would tell you that those amongst you are sick on a journey, he, he can defer the fast and where the illness is protracted or there's a constant journey, people are allowed to take a redemption of the fasting by feeding a poor person oh. so for example if you miss a fast you can expiate that or a relaxation is given to you by basic engaging in other activity, which is a good substitute whereby you can feed the poor, um, you can feed the needy, you can clothe uh, the the orphan and the hungry out there. So they are, it's not a kind of an inflexible, rigid, strict rule, because at the end of the day, fasting is not there for God. Yeah. You're fasting for your own spiritual development mm-hmm. in Islam when we engage in spiritual activity or worship or fasting or any kind of religious activity it's not for god he doesn't need any of this but it's for Mm -hmm. our own spiritual development so that we can basically improve in terms of our lifestyle behavior in any aspect because all of us including myself have a lot of shortcomings and these are the shortcomings that we need to basically overcome
1: So in a way, um, you know, coming and and connecting as one with your maker, um, as as you observe uh, a a moment of just gratitude uh, for everything that you've been blessed with. Uh, We are going to take uh, the news headlines with Utzile Saku. When we come back, I'd like to know about the activities that are planned. Uh, uh, Do you have to be a Muslim um, practicing individual to join in?
0: At SFM Radio and at Positive GP on Twitter
1: and that's where you find us on social media we also invite you um, to give us a call on 0891 in case you have questions or uh, comments about uh, Ramadan. Joining me on the line is Yusuf Ismail who is spokesperson of the Islamic uh, Propagation uh, Centre International he's also a lecturer and uh, a debate lead attorney. we also joined uh, by Zakia Ibrahim who is a media officer at Muslim, heads, uh, Muslim Hands uh, talking about Muslim hands let's talk about uh, you know some of the activations um and, and do you have to be a practicing uh muslim uh person to to partake
0: well generally speaking basically um Fasting, as I mentioned, is one of the essential pillars of Islam. Do you have to be a Muslim to participate? Absolutely not. You do not have to be a Muslim. Do you have to be a Muslim to attend the mosque? No, you can. And I mm-hmm. just basically dealt with a mosque tour recently. At the IPCI, we deal with mosques with people of other faiths, backgrounds, regardless of your race, gender, or uh, social status. You're welcome to come to the mosque. Obviously, any form of, there, there's no kind of membership fee that you pay to mm. enter to become a Muslim. There's no tithing in Islam, there's no priesthood in Islam, so the question of ordaining does not occur. Um, if you simply believe that you want to basically commence uh, fasting and you want to be part of the activity or part of the Muslim community in doing so, then certainly you are welcome. Um, your particular belief system, what you believe in your heart, is between you and God, and it's for nobody else to judge. Sure. Um, so there's no, there's no limitation, there's no restriction in terms of anyone wanting to to participate in this and wants to basically demonstrate some degree of solidarity uh, with the Muslim community, you're more than willing to do that. I may point out that, um, you know, present-day Christianity, for example. May not, depending on the form, may not necessarily attach much value uh, to religious devotions of this particular sort. But it's important that, you know, uh, Jesus himself, um, for a period of 40 days, we observe fasting for 30 days. He observes fast for 40 days. Mm. Um, and and all his disciples, obviously, observe fasting. And there's a there's a passage, and I believe in Matthew, where it says that when you fast, be not like the hypocrites of a sad countenance. But when you fast, you anoint your head and you wash your face. And that we are basically Basically enjoined to do, we should not basically uh, complain about our suffering or how difficult it is, but go ahead, engage in fasting, and of course, do your day-to-day um, job and affairs that you're basically doing, as I'm doing, as many people do, as uh, 1.5 billion people do.
1: Yeah, Zakia, what are some of the activities planned, um, and and do you have to be a Muslim practicing person to join in?
2: No, absolutely not. So we have. Um plenty of volunteers, both Muslim and non-Muslim, mm-hmm. and um, we invite them to partake in our projects and be involved with it. I mean, we're constantly seeking volunteers, and um, we run so many projects in over 50 countries around the world, so we don't just focus on um, immediate relief projects because these are just short-term solutions. Mm-hmm. We also try to look at sustainable, you know, long-term developments like establishing schools and healthcare clinics, etc., and um, the thing is, one of our goals is to tackle the root cause of poverty in communities across the world. So during Ramadan, we're very involved with um, several projects in and out of South Africa to sort of benefit communities that are most in need. Um, and those projects also span multiple categories. So we've got um, our charity gifts, we've got our feeding programs and our water projects, et cetera. Um, so during this month, for example, we've got the big aid convoy that's running. So what Muslims will be doing is we will be sending food um, in 10 containers to help Syrian refugees. Mm. And um, these containers are placed in Cape Town and Gauteng and Durban. Um, And we're encouraging the public to please donate towards uh, this convoy by donating rice and flour. Um, Because we obviously know the growing conflict in Syria, you know the need for humanitarian assistance is becoming quite urgent. So that's the one project that we're currently working on. It's going to run from the 24th of May until the 2nd of June. And um, if, you, if uh, we encourage listeners to go onto our website to read up about it. Um, we're also on Facebook and uh, Instagram and Twitter. Our handles is um, SA. So if you're looking for information on how you can get involved with this project, please visit our site. And then... Um, We also have our iftar, which is um, basically the time when you break your fast, the meal that you have after you break your fast. Mm. So during Ramadan, we go, we see communities in need that, you know, we're having a a meal after breaking the fast is often a challenge. So we go out to these communities, we take food along with us, and we break our fast with them. Uh So also with that, we need volunteers. So if you want to, if you are interested, please visit our site. There's a volunteers tab, and then... um, You can register on the site, you can actually choose which projects you want to become involved in and then we'll
1: be in contact with you from me All right. Uh, as we conclude this conversation, and once again, Yusuf, we take some of these questions um, in order to ensure that we we are well informed. Uh, it is through understanding that uh, we'll have the right compassion for one another as, as human beings. Jack in Alberton wants to know if you're writing an exam and you need um, to eat to refuel your brain, um, or you have a, a big sporting competition, won't a person collapse uh, from? from food deprivation because of Ramadan?
0: Well, I used to basically um, engage in writing examinations, and I fasted during examinations. I think the majority of students, Muslim students, still fast during examinations. Oh. I think if there's basically some degree of fear, again, it goes to the whole notion of... Um, Um, if the fasting has some sort of effect in terms of lowering your blood pressure or uh, lowering your sugar levels. And in those circumstances, you are certainly exempt and can fast at a later time period. I think in respect of sports... Um with regards to I think we've got a another sportsman Hashim Amla who's a the South African cricketer. Yeah, and yeah. there was talk for example that sometimes he fasted during the matches and at times um, he obviously deferred it to a later particular time period. So again it boils down to the fact that there is room for flexibility. Um, and it's not an inflexible God. Uh, it's not an inflexible, rigid dictator mm-hmm. that essentially, um, you know, takes into account, of course, that there are other circumstances that may certainly impact in terms of how you can basically observe the fast. But where, for example, there are no immediate challenges, um, and the challenges are very minimal, then one of the um, primary tests. Um, And of course, obviously it would raise your spiritual level if you can confront these um, essential tests, because these are sometimes hunger, poverty, these are things that are faced by the vast majority of the human beings in the world today. Um, And if they can face it, then certainly um, in standing in solidarity with them, um, it's basically a a test that would obviously be passed if you can obviously fulfill the same um, uh, pangs of hunger that they sometimes experience.
1: Now, in conclusion, um, are children allowed to also um, observe Ramadan?
0: Children are allowed, although it's not obligatory on them. Um, basically, the time of obligation is when you reach the age of majority or when you become balik, when you are in a more fitting capacity to be able to understand and appreciate what fasting is. So there's no obligation on children to fast however you have a situation where young children small children do fast and um, sometimes fast for perhaps sporadic periods of the day or sporadic periods of the month maybe on weekends Um, but obviously nothing that should be done which should effectively force them to fast or harm them in any way but certainly as a means in terms of them beginning to understand what the month really signifies and of course um um in order to basically uh develop them to become far more better meaningful adults in society as well
1: and if I say aid Mubarak, what am I saying? I know that well, I have a colleague um a former colleague uh on on uh, here on SABC, that each time it was Ramadan, all I could master is um you know aid Mubarak.
0: It basically is that uh, you you eat blessings, blessings of eat. Effectively, uh-huh. that's all it is that the spiritual blessings be effectively passed on to him, and you effectively wishing him well. It's equivalent of Merry Christmas, as opposed Ah. uh, with with the slight difference that you are not wishing him a Merry Day. You are basically wishing him a Blessed Day, and the fact that he's he is now fulfilled a period of fasting, and uh, this is basically a time where he, in fact, um, has a blessing and celebrates the period of fasting that he is engaging for a period of one month
1: awesome thank you thank you very much to both of you as my guests Uh, we certainly are better enlightened as we're getting to understand Ramadan Uh, thank you so much uh, to Yusuf Ismail uh, as spokesperson for uh, for the Islamic Propagation uh, Center International he's also a lecturer and a debate lead uh, attorney and we also had uh, Zakia Ibrahim who is media officer uh, at uh, Muslim hands thank you so much uh, for that Uh, it almost feels like it's it it almost feels like it was an, a, a lecture, um, Zakia. Thank you. Thank you very much uh, for the teachings.
2: Thank you. Thanks, Griselda.
1: Yeah. To those who are intolerant, um, here's uh, Huma Segella Chilese. We see all your messages. They are totally unnecessary.